Please note, some of the content in this podcast may bring up a strong emotional response. Please do what you need to take care of yourself while you listen, and perhaps think of someone you could call for emotional support if necessary. Welcome to Remembering Resilience, a podcast by Native Americans on Native American resilience through and beyond trauma. My name is Brianna Matrius, and I'm an enrolled member of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe. I currently reside in the urban area, but I'm still very much connected to my hometown in Pine County. And I'm Susan Bolio, a mother of four and citizen of the Red Lake Nation, though I live in central Minnesota with my family. Brianna and I are colleagues on the American Indian Resource and Resiliency Team under Family Resilience through the University of Minnesota Extension. We are passionate about sharing the tools, practices, and wisdom that has been so powerful on our own healing journeys with others who are also looking to generate healing for themselves, their families, and their communities. This is episode nine in the Remembering Resilience series. In the last episode, Susan and I had a chance to talk with Dr. Joe Tefer, an integrative family physician, curandero, author and speaker about how trauma creates disease in the body, and we consider differences between the Western medical model and the indigenous approach to addressing disease. Dr. Tefer also shared with us the indigenous South American prophecy of the eagle and the condor. In this episode, Dr. Tefer talks about the importance of set, setting, and integration after a plant medicine ceremony like ayahuasca. And Brianna and I share a bit about our personal experiences and healing with ayahuasca, as well as how these ceremonies have strengthened our knowledge of and experiences with our own Anishinaabe culture and values. We also discuss more about epigenetics and following the spiritual heart path. Since we will be talking about our experiences with ayahuasca today, here's a bit about it. Ayahuasca is a plant medicine indigenous to South America in the Amazon. It is a tea or a brew of two plants, the chacruna leaf and the ayahuasca vine. Together, the DMT from the chacruna leaf is allowed to be absorbed by the body instead of broken down in the stomach. Ayahuasca is a psychedelic plant medicine used for healing by the indigenous communities in South America for centuries. We begin with Dr. Tefer talking about the importance of set and setting when using psychedelics and specifically ayahuasca ceremonies. There's, it is not for everybody, so there that has to be like consideration around that, and you know, and people get excited and big things happen, and so you know, a lot of people want to share it with everyone, or they think everyone should do it. But I don't, I don't think that's the case. But it can't. But there are a lot of people that can benefit for sure. And you know, in the Western concept, they talk about, okay, how do you approach a psychedelic experience? You know, their big thing with the psychedelic psychotherapy is set and setting, you know, that's how they talk about it. The set, like, uh, it's supposed to be like your state of mind and how you, where you're at going into it and setting is, okay, how did they, you know, what is the actual space and all that that you're going to go through and who's doing it with you and what I would call ceremony, you know, basically the ceremony of it, like how are they setting it up? And then there's the session itself, you know, their experience of, of being with the medicine. And then the session itself, it's like, he's like, well, that's the gift. The ceremony is the gift we receive. And then 
afterwards what we call integration. He's like, well, that for us, that's the responsibility of the gift. I love this notion of the ceremony being the gift and the integration as the responsibility of the gift. We will talk more about integration in a bit, but without doing the integration work, the ceremony or session becomes just an experience we had with few, if any, lasting effects. Integration makes the learning more powerful. It moves it from an experience into wisdom, so we can use it to help us in our everyday lives. Integrating an ayahuasca ceremony can take months or even years. For sure. The importance of preparation, set, setting, and integration when working with psychedelics for healing cannot be understated. There is a whole protocol and diet that is to be followed for several weeks prior to participating in an ayahuasca ceremony. If we don't properly prepare, or if the place and people we do ceremony with are not safe, an ayahuasca experience can quickly turn difficult and end up causing more harm than good. But when we have prepared, set our intention, and have a safe and supportive set and setting, the experience can be profound. Next, we're going to hear from you, Brianna. Yes, we both have stories that we shared on our virtual call with Dr. Tafur, And we'll hear from you in a little bit too, Susan. That's right. So here's the story you shared about your experience in an ayahuasca ceremony, as well as some of the insights, cultural connections, and challenges you experienced integrating afterwards. And I'll just share just a, just a few things, some insights that I had while being in ceremonies. And I think we talked about this before, but the whole thought of being connected all as one, you know, in, a, in our culture, you know, it's, uh, you know, everything has a spirit, you know, everything is alive. And during ceremonies, I saw that, I felt that, but how do you explain the unexplainable? How do you explain a knowingness, uh, amazing feelings that come while you're going through ceremonies and it's just just this beautiful love that that you feel that that everybody deserves and so seeing that everything is so connected was a beautiful thing and those aren't even words to really truly describe uh, exactly what you feel going through ceremonies so for me it it solidified everything about my faith and about like my culture because I really truly did see that everything uh, was alive, that everything had energy. And so I, re- I always knew that the, like the spirit world was there, right? There's been many situations that have happened in my life that said, no, this is something beyond this world that we're living in right now, this reality, right? And so many situations that, nah, that's got to be something from the spirit world, right? Um, but during ceremonies, I truly believed that I was in the spirit world, and it really drove home my my faith, my faith knowing that my culture is real, spirits are real, energies are real, love is real, like everything overall, like really drove that fact home. And Joe, you had mentioned, you know, just like having this like cloudedness that comes over us and we're not able to do those things that we want to do, whether it's our culture, whether that's spirituality, you know, these things. And I, and I kind of believe that with me that I was just kind of clouded. Right. Um, and, and I've always been spiritual, but like after ceremonies, I'm like, I don't care how weird you think I am. Like, I believe in this stuff. I'm so much more spiritual. Um, I say it, I talk about it. I share it all the time. Like, think I'm weird. 
I don't care, but I know that the spirit world exists and I don't ever want to go back to where I was before ceremony. I don't ever want to be at that place. And, and that's how much ceremonies have, have truly helped me to be able to see this, this bigger picture. And also um, during ceremonies, it allowed me to grieve everything, right? And you think you may be done with some things, but in ceremonies, it was just like one thing after another. And I don't think I've ever cried as hard as I did um, during that. But it was hard work, but at the same time, it, it was exactly what I needed. I needed to do that. I needed to release. I needed to let go. I needed to see everything that I was still holding on to being allowed to let that go. Like that's what ayahuasca did for me. That it's just allowed me to, to let go. Hindsight to all that, I will share that I was, I had a hard time after ceremonies, um, integrating back into life. Um, you have this powerful experience experience and trying to make sense of everything, trying to make sense of the visions. I saw amazing things uh, within, within ceremonies that was really hard and difficult for me to comprehend. And I think my nervous system kind of um, got a shock, just being completely honest with with everything. And so I had, it was trouble. I had trouble sleeping at night afterwards and but the integration piece, I think, is so very important for everyone to know is that these plant medicines only help us a certain way. And it's up to us to really do the hard work to continue to heal. And so one of the things that it showed me is that I didn't realize that I had anxiety as bad as I did. And I feel like, you know, the plant medicine was able to heal me a certain way and then was able to show, oh, you've got maybe some more issues you got to work through. And, and that is a beautiful thing. It's hard work, but it's a beautiful thing because now I'm able to kind of work on my anxiety, work on my nervous system and try to continue to uh, release and let go. And since ceremonies, I've been doing um, sweat lodges and things like that and been having powerful experiences within sweat, sweat lodges that we talk about like this ancestral stuff that's kind of attached to us. And, and, and I believe I'm one of those that have no idea some of these feelings and emotions that are trapped in my body, but then I go into sweat lodge and, and then all of a sudden I'm crying my eyes out and, and I have no real emotion to it. It just is just coming out and I don't fight with it. Right. Cause I know that it's whatever is just trapped in my body. I just need to let it go and not worry about who's, watching me, who's looking at me. I just, I don't even care. I just kind of let it go, but profound, profound healing, um, that has, has come to me, um, with these plant medicines. And I, I just like Don, I know I'm not done. I've got a lot more to go, but I really truly feel that this has propelled me into a better place than, than I have ever been hard. This stuff is not for everyone but I do believe that I was being prepared for it, that I was being called to the medicine and I'm hoping to, to do it again. So miigwech for uh, letting me share that. So.
You are listening to Remembering Resilience, a podcast by Native Americans on Native American resilience through and beyond trauma. We spoke with Dr. Joe Tafur about the importance of set and setting when going through a plant medicine ceremony such as ayahuasca. We also talked a bit about integration after ceremonies. Brianna, I know integration was a difficult part for you after ceremonies, and I think that's probably common when we live in a country like ours where these medicines are illegal. So even finding others who have done the medicines can be really challenging. I know for me, when I first came home from ceremonies in Ecuador, integration was hard because I had to get back to work, I had children at home, and there weren't very many people I could talk to about my experiences with the medicine because aside from my husband, I didn't know others who had worked with psychedelic plant medicines. I was incredibly grateful that my my husband and I had gone together, so at least we had each other to talk to about what we had experienced and learned. Yeah, I know I was grateful to have someone to talk to when I got back, but in hindsight, I definitely needed more support. Now I know there are online and in-person ayahuasca and psychedelic medicine support groups popping up around the country. There are also therapists being trained in the U.S. to help others with their integration process. Many of them have had their own experiences with psychedelics in a ceremonial or therapeutic setting. Okay, Susan, now it's your turn. On the call with Dr. Tafur, you also shared some of your experiences and insights with ayahuasca. I did. It was really great taking time to talk about this with all of you. And I'm glad we can share this out too. Okay, here's your story. You know, one of the things that um, when I think about ceremonies and um, my first uh, experience with ayahuasca was in Ecuador. And I, at that point in my career profession, I didn't know anything about epigenetics um, and sort of how trauma gets transmitted. And um, I had a very real experience with releasing things that were not, I mean, they were mine in the sense that I was carrying them, but they were not experiences from my lifetime, but rather my parents, my grandparents, and literally like the medicine showed me like, this is your mom's stuff you've been carrying. This is your dad's, this is your grandma's, you know? And so that, that realization of that there's real things that we carry. And I think about the sort of experiences that we've had as indigenous people. And you see, I even hear about my dad talk about, you know, like, well, it was, things weren't as bad in our communities when I was growing up. There's sort of this compounding of trauma over time because as, you know, individually and collectively, we haven't been able to release this. And so that was really a powerful um, experience for me in my first um, ceremonies was the releasing of some of that trauma that I carry, uh, that I carried that wasn't from my lifetime, from my experience. So, um, and then, you know, just hearing like, you know, Don's stories and Brianna's and their experiences, lots of, um, lots of overlap. But one of the, um, you know, some of the key things as I think about integration in my own experience from things that I've um, seen or, or, or come to know in ceremony is you were talking about sort of the difference between the head and the heart. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a book nerd. Like I, I love to learn. Um, but I'm comfortable in the space of learning up here in my head because it's safe to, you know, to do that. But, um, what I, what the medicine really showed me is that there's, there's a difference between a head knowing of something and a heart or experiential learning, knowing of something that those are two really different things. And so, um, in, 
numerous different occasions, the medicine would show me my head learning of something and then give me an experiential piece of it um, so that I could understand it in a new way. And um, so like an example of self-care. You know, I, I, I knew like, oh, yeah, self-care is important. Everyone should do self-care, but I didn't do self-care. Um, but what the medicine really showed me is when you're working in community with people who've experienced lots of trauma, your self-care isn't a nice to do thing. It's essential. It helps you to ground. It helps you to take care of yourself so that you can come into the space and hold that space for them in a good way. And that, that was really a wake up call for me that it wasn't enough just to talk about these things that I was learning, but really about living them, integrating them. And those then became the shifts in how I show up in the work that I do. So, and then, and even the notion of holding space, like I, I didn't know anything about that before ceremony, but in ceremony, I would see, you know, different people who were working in ceremony, holding space in powerful, beautiful ways for people to do our own work. Nobody, nobody in ceremony did anyone's work, but they were able to hold the space for us to do our own work. And that was the first sort of experiential um, experience I had with what does that look like and feel like when someone is holding space in a really beautiful, authentic, loving way. And that is something then that has really informed how I do my work when I work when I do mind body medicine groups, or um, even when I'm talking about, you know, trauma and healing and things like that, like, how do I come in and hold the space for people? So, um, like, you know, like Donna Brand, I feel like I could go on and on and I, but I won't. Um, but I feel like, um, for me, um, I, there's not a doubt in my mind that the work that I do and the way that I do the work now is completely different after having done ceremonies than before doing ceremonies. Um, and that each, um, each time I come to the medicine, it opens me up a little bit more. You know, Don talked about the sort of closing off and trauma does that. Trauma closes us off. We, we get small, we get, you know, we get constricted um, to protect ourselves. And, and what the medicine has really done for me is continue to just open, open, open. Um, and then my work on the, on the integration piece is continuing to do that opening work and staying open as opposed to when stress happens or whatever, which it will in our lives, instead of going back to the automatic pattern of like shutting back down again, how do I stay open? Right. And that's the integration is continuing to, to stay open, to feel the emotions, to be with the experience, to work through it in a different way, as opposed to, you know, as children, we, we shut down because it, it literally saved our lives. But as adults now in the work that we're doing, like it's, you know, that's no longer um, a strategy that's helpful or, or helps us or anyone around us. So, um, so I, I totally agree that integration piece is really critical. And, you know, we all, the three of us, we've all talked about the importance of that prep work beforehand. Like you talked about that, um, you know, that set, what is our mindset going in? What is our intention? How do we come to ceremony as well as the integration piece that this isn't in no way, shape or form. Do we believe that these, these medicines are a magic bullet that are going to fix and heal everything, you know, and then we just get to go back on with our lives the way that they were, but it really is a process.
You are listening to Remembering Resilience, a podcast by Native Americans on Native American resilience through and beyond trauma. Susan, one of the things you said you experienced during an ayahuasca ceremony was an awareness and then the release of ancestral trauma energy. Dr. DeFerris shares more about the impact of this trauma on biology and epigenetics, and he starts by explaining what science has seen with mice in new environments. So things that attract and repulse them, that starts getting imprinted into the system. And you want some of that to be accessible to the next generation. So the system has that capacity to record beyond the lifespan. And the epigenetics is one of the places that happens, where the events of the lifespan are recorded, and then that can get passed on in the sperm or the egg. Some of it will get washed out, and some of it's passed on. And it's supposed to be adaptive for like an instinct, but it can be maladaptive, you know. There can be experiences that really are not that helpful to be to react to stress in such a way. So that's then that's the ancestral trauma. So they found that with concentration camp survivors, the 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 kids of the people who were in the the concentration camps in World War II, that they were showing more anxiety and depression. And everyone thought, oh, it's just because their parents are, you know, so traumatized. They don't know how to be there for their kids. And there's some of it's from that, but there's another part of it that's like they were born with it because it's the trauma of that stuff. So how do you heal that trauma? How do you clear the epigenetics, you know, because it's like it looks it's so close to the core of the biology that it looks like. Because mind, body and spirit are so interconnected, things like meditation, being in nature, having supportive relationships, psychedelics, as well as other ceremonies and spiritual healing techniques can all be helpful for releasing ancestral trauma and healing, not just the mind and spirit, but also the body. Dr. Tafur shares what he sees as the power of connecting back to indigenous spiritual practices for healing collective trauma. So there's all these ways that it looks like this ancestral trauma can be released and shifted. And it's a big hole. It's very important for all the cultures, but, you know, very, very especially important here with Native American culture that we can, that we can do that. And you ladies are seeing shifts in yourselves, like, rapidly, you know, under this Shipibo technology, you know, what we just straight call technology. That's what it is. It's advanced study, advanced science. I went through the training. I went to UCLA residency, family medicine residency, UCSD medical school, like respected institutions out here on the West Coast. You know, you got to be pretty uh, sharp to get in and get through it and do all that. And then I went through the Shipibo training and I would put it at least at that level or in many cases, depending. But I mean, extremely disciplined, extremely advanced. So it's just starting to respect your own culture. But of course, you got to see it work for you to realize, oh, wow, this is really useful. And so that's where we're getting at, you know. So it, it has to work, you know, for people to really take an interest in it. Um, but getting it to work means helping open people up, helping them find their way to their heart's eye where they can make that real and start using that. I know we both have had deep cultural connections and insights when working with this powerful plant medicine. Dr. Defer referred to it during our conversation with him as culture coming to life. In many ways, we have been taught that our indigenous beliefs and ways of knowing are wrong or bad, or sometimes in our communities, we give lip service to these beliefs and ways of knowing, but we aren't actually living them. 
Dr. Tafur talks about the power of authentically connecting to our indigenous practices. Is there, it's very sophisticated. It's very intelligent. You know, this heart path is very powerful. And it can do things that, you know, the greatest laboratories in the world can't do and the greatest things they can't do. So it's starting to accept in ourselves. And it's hard because it's been, you know, trashed so much for us to actually believe in it. But to believe in it is like when you get to see how it works, when you see it work. So it's not just talk, talk, talk. It's not just legend, you know, but it's made real in our own healing processes. So much was made real to us during our healing processes with ayahuasca that it prompted us to connect with Dr. Tafur and invite him to this conversation for episodes 7, 8, and 9 of Remembering Resilience. I'm so glad we had this opportunity and that Dr. Tafur shared his time with us. So much time, in fact. Our full conversation was just over two hours long, where we went into greater depth on many topics, including Dr. Tafur's experiences as a medical doctor in Corandero, psychedelic research, and healing with culture. We split the full uncut discussion into two longer shows, which you can find on the Remembering Resilience website at rememberingresilience.home.blog. Chiniguich again to Dr. Joe Tafur for gifting us with his time, wisdom, and hope over these last three podcasts of Remembering Resilience. We'd also like to thank the Center for Prevention at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota, FamilyWise Services, and the University of Minnesota Extension Family Resilience for their support of Episode 9 in the series. And thank you for listening to this episode of Remembering Resilience. Kikawabiman, Minowa. For more information on Dr. Tafur, you can check out his website at www.drjoetafur.com. That's www.drjoetafur.com. Or you can check out his Modern Spirit podcast series at www.modernspirit.org. Information on MAPS MDMA research can be found at www.maps.com. That's www.maps.com. Additional resources and information on psychedelics can be found on Michael Pollan's website at www.michaelpollan.com, where you can search for psychedelic resources. You can find the full Remembering Resilience series at rememberingresilience.home.blog. Music during today's conversation is thanks to Cole Primo. Cole Primo is a songwriter, musician, and citizen of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe.
This podcast is developed through a health power project at Family Wise Services with support from the Center for Prevention at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota and the University of Minnesota Extension Family Resilience. You've heard our stories, our experiences, and now we want to hear from you. Tell us what you think in a brief survey by going to surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash podcast rr. When you fill out the survey, you will be entered into a drawing for a gift card to Birchbark Books, held monthly through 2022. That's surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash podcast rr. Chi miigwech.